welcome to yesterday's yesterday's news today issue number two the newest edition newest feature of the neoliberal corporations neoliberal journals news edition and we have it right here on the neoliberal round podcast for you this is season seven episode three of the neoliberal round podcast i'm ronaldo mckenzie we are all about serving the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges by making popular what was the monopoly and we have lots of news in store for you today in fact not just news but we are going to share with you what's coming up next on the neoliberal corporations news feeds journals and our publications we have lots in store for you so stay tuned for the ride as we delve into the latest news headlines that made it to the top stories of our news feeds and journals now these are the top sto- the, 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 the top news stories of the weekend july 25th to 31st 2023 our weekend is from july 25th that's last week I believe from last week friday up until about um, monday and this is the news so welcome to the neoliberal journals and the neoliberal round yesterday's news today where we provide a concise overview of the most significant news stories that shape the weekend and have op- ongoing implications from geopolitical developments to scientific breakthroughs global challenges and studies stay informed with our roundup of the top headlines First news and top story one the neoliberal commentary and the neoliberal journal reports of new evidence uncovered by special counsel intensifies case against donald trump lawsuits could shape the future of the presidency and desantis expresses concerns now recent news has revealed stunning developments in the legal battles surrounding former president donald trump as special counsel jack smith uncovers new and crucial new and crucial evidence that has significantly intensified the case against the former president now this newfound evidence revolves around a top secret document or top secret documents that trump previously boasted about on tape raising the document's importance and leading to the filing of new charges against him the story is entitled new evidence uncovered by special counsel intensifies case against donald trump in the neoliberal commentary and the neoliberal journal and we'll read some of it some of it some of it a bit of it for you when we when we come back but before we get into that the second news that made we're gonna, we're gonna give you the rundown that made the top news stories first and give you a little bit of background on those stories and then we will come back and read all the, the headlines get into them for you but the second news story that made headlines is this in the neoliberal journals entitled economic news Federal Reserve hikes interest rates amidst looming recession. The story is that the Federal Reserve has recently increased interest rates by 0.5-0.25 percentage points, moving it from 5.25 to now 5.5%, the highest levels in more than 22 years. However, economist at JP Morgan predicts a recession due to credit type credit 
tightening from high interest rates which benefits high yield savers and CD holders, the rich. And just so you know, that while they, they, the Feds were announcing that um, uh, that um, the, that um, a recession is no longer in sight, right soon after that, JP, the CEO of JP Morgan was announcing, um, was, was warning of looming recession by year end. Not only that, mortgage demand has dropped and home prices have fallen. Jobless claims have fallen. While the euro currency is losing ground and is also headed for a recession. This story we will delve into but is entitled Economic News. Federal Reserve hikes interest rates amidst looming recession. That's available in the neoliberal corporations in the neoliberal journal at theneoliberal.com. The previous story is in the neoliberal commentary and the neoliberal journal. The third story that made headlines, which is a story that we had published some time ago, but we decided to run it again because of some recent developments on Twitter, or now we call it X now. But the story in the neoliberal journals is entitled The Premature End, The Premature End of Affirmative Action, Assessing Equity and Inclusion in America. This is the story. The story begins like this. In a controversial 6-3 vote, The U.S. Supreme Court recently invalidated affirmative action in colleges and universities. This decision, driven by political and special interests, raises important questions about the state of equity, equality, and inclusion in American society. While civil rights and freedoms have been established, the ongoing need for affirmative action suggests that true equality has not been fully realized. This article or the article examines the significance of affirmative action. It proposes it pur- its purpose as a stepping stone towards inclusion and diversity and the persisting reason for its necessity in contemporary America. The story entitled The Premature End of Affirmative Action Assessing Equity and Inclusion in America. And there ha- and, and and I said to you there had been some updates which is why we decided to rerun it and put it in yesterday's news today in number three because um and this is actually and this is absolutely funny um i tweeted in response to an a promoted tweet by the by america first legal and their tweet was they have a promoted tweet with millions of viewers it said this the supreme court just ruled that racial that racial preferences that is affirmative action Racial preferences, i.e. affirmative action, violate the Constitution in bold. If you are a victim of racist policies at a university, corporation, or workplace, contact us at, and they put their 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 um, their information and their phone number where you can contact them. We won't say it, we won't spell it out here, but I responded. I responded to that particular posting, saying this is absolutely funny. Affirmative action was created to prevent discrimination against black people or people of color who were being denied access and to promote and protect equality, which is a very important spirit of the Constitution. Now that the Supreme Court got rid of it, white people created, and might I say, I don't mean it in a discriminatory way, discriminatory way when I say white people, the privileged created or some white people created an opportunity that they already had in that they already had again let me see, let me say this again in response to the tweet that they are by this um, law firm asking um, white people to to file um, to contact them if they have been discriminated against based on the, the new ruling of the US Constitution I am saying, and I said in a tweet, that that it is absolutely funny because affirmative action was created to prevent discrimination against black people who were being denied access. And so to promote, to, uh, to, to promote and to protect equality. Now that the Supreme Court got rid of it, some people, white people, the privileged, a few white people, create an opportunity that they already had in response to this Supreme Court to the Supreme Court ruling 
and we will we, we i think i already had a podcast on this particular story so i won't pop i won't get into that you can visit the tweet at Ronaldo mckenzie or the story in yesterday's news today at the neoliberal.com the fourth story that made um top news was a story emanating um from um, twitter you know Ronaldo mckenzie's twitter my twitter page um, you can visit Ronaldo McKenzie's Twitter page because um, I probably sometimes post things on there which I don't mention here on the podcast or, or may have time to put up on the feeds on our journals. But um, but I asked the question, who is the original owner of the handle X? Who is the original owner of the handle X? Because, you know, Twitter is now X. But where did they get that? Some, somebody said somebody else had that handle x now cnbc interviewed the original handle x owner and we are going to reveal his name for you right after we tell we 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 lift up for you the fifth news headlines the fifth story that made headlines in which is available in yesterday's news today issue number two then in the neoliberal post at ronaldocmckenzie.com the story is entitled the euro the euro at the crossroads challenges and uncertainties amid economic headwinds now according to the story in the post the european currency the euro has encountered a series of formidable challenges in recent times leading to a loss of ground against major currencies primarily concerns surrounding the region's economic prospects and the ripple effects of the global interest rate hike have contributed to the currency's current predicament as the European Central Bank, the ECB, strives to strengthen the economy, uncertainty looms, with some analysts even speculating about the possibility of an impending recession. This story is entitled The Euro at the Crossroads, Challenges and Uncertainties Amid Economic Headwinds, in the neoliberal post at RonaldoCMcKenzie.com. And just so you know, just we, um, uh, the UK is no longer part of the European Union, and um, so I don't know if that that is also affecting the euro and the economic viability. They relied heavily on the UK as well, and of course, what's going on in the U in the Ukraine Russia war. We'll delve into those in that story in that story when we come back. But before we do that, the sixth top story, top new top top story or top top headlines, the top headline that made news in yesterday's news today issue number two which we had broadcasted recently some time ago i think a couple days ago in the neoliberal post entitled embracing diversity exploring caribbean theology and its cultural roots it's also available on the podcast the read the last the recent the most recent podcast that we did in um on the neoliberal round podcast in audio and also in video on our spotify and youtube platforms um you can check it out there but uh we also wrote an article about it in the post entitled embracing diversity exploring caribbean theology and its cultural roots and the neoliberal round series of the caribbean theology lecture series ended on a high note which was episode two of season seven um, um the, the, which was the a lecture the lecture provided a review of some essential aspects and prepared the students for the upcoming examination. Let's begin the review. Caribbean theology, as we have explored, involves the study and contemplation of divine and religious beliefs within the context of the Caribbean region. With its diverse cultures and histories, it is important to recognize that Caribbean theology encompasses more than just African ancestry. We also find influences from various other cultures such as East India, Chinese, and indigenous communities. Understanding this diversity enriches our perspective. And of course, that's available also in YouTube on how to approach the Caribbean theology exam, reviewing Caribbean theology, the final class. And the seventh and last headline that made the top news in yesterday's news today, issue number two, which is a story that was just printed by, um, published by us here at the Neoliberal Corporation yesterday, is entitled Clark County Teachers Threaten Work Stoppage and Pay Raise Dispute. Again, Clark County Teachers Threaten Work Stoppage and 
amid peer raised dispute. Now, the story is this. Thousands of teachers gathered at a convention center in Rio to discuss potential work stoppages at select schools. At select schools for pay raise demands uh, remain unmet. But if pay raise demands are not met by August 17th, again, thousands of teachers gathered at the convention center in Rio to discuss potential work stoppage, work stoppages at select schools. Um, if pay raise demands are unmet by August 17th, the story starts like this: from UPS to Amazon and now teachers. Workers are demanding more pay. Is workers demanding more pay is on the rise as the feds announce an increase in interest rates and economists warn of a recession by year end. As the economy as the economy becomes less liquid, it is no wonder that even teachers in Clark and other counties in Nevada are demanding pay raise or pay raises. However, Proficiency is at an all-time low. Some of what is due to COVID, where classroom education was disrupted and homeschooling became the norm. Nevertheless, teachers in Nevada district are asking for a pay raise which may affect the start of the school year. While some remain confident that a decision will be made by the district given a recent approval of $250 million by the governor in the state budget, which was set aside for education. State officials such as Assemblyman Ruben De Silva, Nevada Assemblyman rep- representing East Las Vegas, whom we spoke with at the Nilibol, the Nilibol um, about the matter, said that, and I quote, no deal in sight yet. We are still a long way away we are fighting for new contract with the school district with some historic pay raises and benefits for teachers. End quote. The teachers, union, the teachers union reassured that they would start classes on August 7th, but that if no decision is made to accept their demand by August 17th, then they will take action. The story is available in RenaldoCMcKenzie.com and um and also the nilipo.com and we will probably read a bit of it for you if we have time but that's what those are the stories that made the headlines in yesterday's news today issue number two um on the nilipo around corporations journals feeds and publications Now, before we get into those news in the singularly, before we get into them, because we're going to re- revisit them in a second, but before we get into them, there is some, there are some, there is a, there is an announcement that we have to make as it relates to what's coming up on the neoliberal corporations, journals, feeds, podcasts, and publications that you've got to get, make a note of, and you have to subscribe to us if you haven't, because we have some powerful um, stories, some powerful shows, powerful happenings. One. The release of the book, Neoliberal Globalization Reconsidered, Neo-Capitalism and the Death of Nations. We did say that you can pre-order it as of August 1, but we won't, we're not doing that. We're not, we're not taking any orders as yet, but we suspect that the book will be out by August 15th. We'll, we'll give you some more update. Um, and of course, we have contributions from Prof- Professor Emeritus, Dr. Martin Oppenheimer. Two, the Castro Vich from part five, um, series, um, which will, which provides an update on the latest ruling on the trial and Castro's next steps. Uh, number three, the making of the audio book. We're gonna we're gonna make. Not only are we gonna have the book in audio, and ebook and paperback, but the new book will be available in audio, and we are going to be going backstage and show you the making of that. And we're gonna preview some of it for you on the podcast. Fourth, Street Vibes. Street Vibes is gonna be back again. And it's going to be entitled, it's going to be bigger, better, and we're going to have video. It's entitled, What's It Like Living in Your City? Not only are we going to be 
um, broadcasting live in Philly, from Philadelphia, but we're going to be going to other parts of the world and other cities, and it's going to be a podca- podcast special series. Five, research update on and re- on a study that we're doing entitled Exploring Changing Attitudes Towards Afro-Caribbean Beliefs. And the la- and issue number one, yesterday's news, today issue number one, we talked a bit about it, and it's also available in the neoliberal.com. Um, you can check it out, Exploring Changing Attitudes Towards Afro-Caribbean Beliefs, but we'll provide an update coming up probably in the coming upcoming days for you as to the responses and what we are finding. Number six, we have a petition update on Haiti. We will provide you. We are running a petition on change.org. We also have one here uh, at our websites and feeds. You can visit visit this particular story. You'll see it in, in what's coming up next on the on the neoliberal round. And yesterday's issue, yesterday's news today, issue number two, we have a link to the Haiti petition and also a study that we are doing to measure the level of support towards the Haitians. Number seven, we wanted, we're going to be doing a podcast interview with the executive director of the Institute for Justice and Democracy in Haiti, Brian Conkanen, who will be updating us on the recent abductions of Americans in Haiti and the work of, and the continued work of the IGDH. Number eight, podcast interview with State Assemblyman Ruben De Silva of Nevada. We will have him on the show. He also um, shared with us some of the stories as it relates to what's happening in Clark County, Nevada. Number nine, podcast interview with John Anthony Castro, the U.S. 2024 GOP presidential candidate and main plaintiff in the Castro v. Trump trial. He will join us for uh, another interview. Number 10, we'll have a podcast interview with CEO of Palmetto Publishing. Especially, we will update you and as to some of, some of the new happenings at Palmetto and our publishers who publish neoliberalism. We're grateful to them. They helped us work out some some new um, some new updates to the ISBN world and identifying we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking with him about what's going on at Palmetto and in the publishing world what to look out for so on and so forth number 11 news commentary we'll provide you with some more news commentary and music and number 12 of course Dante Nelson will join us for for the music and some of these commentaries our co-producer and one of our co-hosts number 12 book readings signings and giveaways Number 13, Ricardo McKenzie, my twin brother, will rejoin the podcast for part two on relationships. And finally, we'll present The Power of Gen Z, From Radicalism to Sustainable Consumption by Statista.com. In my new book, Neoliberal Globalization Reconsidered, there's a chapter on the power of the Gen Z, right, the, the radicalization. But they have, but um, Statista has a new, new webinar that I was privy to to be part of and they have shared with me the material which I will make available here at the podcast and talk a little bit about it. This is the Neoliberal Corporation, the Neoliberal Round Podcast by Ronaldo McKenzie. We are available on over 12 streams including iHeartRadio, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podvine, P-Adverb, um, Anchor.fm or Anchor by Spotify and of course Spotify. We're also available on others. I think Pocket Cast and Google Podcasts and the Audible. We're also on that. And um, I may have missed one or two, but we are on several. And on, on recently, I checked, we are also on IMDb. And of course, our channel on YouTube by Ronaldo McKenzie. Visit us and visit this particular story, of this particular article, Yesterday's News Today, issue number two, which is available in the neoliberal.com journals entitled Yesterday's News Today. Number two, if you go to the bottom of the website of the neoliberal.com, you will see it, issue number one, and right beside it, you will have issue number two. You can also visit the neoliberal at the neoliberal post, ronaldocmckenzie.com. And I always say, Ronaldo without the O and without the Y, and McKenzie without the A. I'm Ronaldo C. McKenzie. We'll be right back after this. Now to the stories. First story. New evidence uncovered by special counsel intensifies case against Donald Trump. 
Recent news has revealed stunning developments in the legal battles surrounding former President Donald Trump. As Special Counsel Jack Smith uncovers new and crucial evidence that has significantly intensified the case against the former president. This newfound evidence revolves around a top-secret document that Trump previously boasted about on tape, raising the document's importance and leading to the filing of new charges against him. In February, revelations thrusted the Special Counsel Jack Smith into the spotlight as he finds himself entangled in at least eight clandestine court battles. These secretive legal proceedings delve into the actions of former President Donald Trump after the 2020 elections, with a particular focus on his handling of classified information. The implications of these legal disputes are far-reaching, as they do not only involve a potential 2024 presidential candidate, but also have the potential to reshape the very foundations of presidential authority, separation of powers, and attorney-client confidentiality. There has been a recent development in the case against former President Donald Trump. Jack Smith, the special counsel, has recently uncovered new evidence that has made a top-secret document that Trump boasted about on tape even more important. 1. This new evidence has led to new charges being filed against Trump. Trump has reacted to these new charges by attacking both Jack Smith and President Joe Biden with name-calling and baseless accusations. The nature of the top-secret document, which Trump had openly referred to but kept under wraps, has been a subject of speculation and curiosity. However, the recent revelations by the special counsel have brought the document's content to the forefront of the court battles, potentially holding the key to understanding Trump's post-2020 election actions and the handling of classified information. The new charges against Trump have injected a fresh wave of uncertainty into the political landscape, particularly regarding his potential 2024 presidential aspirations. As the legal spotlight intensifies, Trump has responded with a barrage of attacks aimed at both Jack Smith and President Joe Biden. In a series of combative statements, Trump resorted to name-calling and unfounded accusations in an apparent attempt to undermine the credibility of the special counsel and deflect attention from the allegations against him. The significance of these legal battles extends beyond Trump himself. The outcomes of these court disputes have the potential to redefine the boundaries of presidential authority, separation of powers, and the sanctity of attorney-client confidentiality in a manner never witnessed before. The implications are far-reaching, with the decisions made by the courts likely to leave a lasting impact on the nation's political and legal landscape. The ongoing developments have also drawn concerns from within the Republican Party. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a prominent figure among potential GMP, GOP contenders for the 2024 presidential race, has expressed apprehension over Trump's involvement in the legal battles. DeSantis's concerns stem from the passionate loyalty of Trump's die-hard supporters and the potential ramifications of the party's image and prospects in the upcoming presidential elections. In addition to the case surrounding Trump, there is a separate lawsuit filed by John Castro against the former president in the 11th Circuit Court issued to appellate, appellant John Castro on June 28, 2023. Now, the appellant's brief is expected to be submitted on or before August 7, 2023, adding another layer of complexity to the legal landscape. See the Castro v. Trump trial details on the legal on the neoliberal round podcast. Now, as these high-stakes legal battles continue to unfold, political analysts and the public alike remain engrossed in the developments that could shape the course of the nation's future. The neoliberal journals will keep a close eye on this evolving story, providing updates on new information as they emerge. Now, this commentary report will be updated as new developments unfold and the article is available in the Neoliberal Commentary in our LinkedIn newsletter and also here at the Neoliberal Journals. 
and the Neoliberal Round podcast. And now to the second news story and the news headlines that made it to yesterday's news today. And now to the second news that has that made top news headlines in the neoliberal corporation news feeds and journals that is available in yesterday's news today as the second top story of the of the day economic news um, federal reserve hikes interest rates amid amid looming um, looming recession again uh, it's an it's economic news entitled federal reserve hikes interest rates the federal reserve hikes interest rates amidst looming recession the federal reserve has recently increased interest rates by 0.2.5 percentage points from 5.25 to 5.5% representing the highest levels in more than 22 years However, economists at, J- economists at J.P. Morgan predict a recession due to credit tightening from high interest rates, which benefits high-yield savers and CD holders. Mortgage demand has dropped and home prices have fallen. Jobless claims have fallen, while the euro currency is losing ground and is also headed for a recession. Here are the details. In a move that has sent shockwaves through financial markets, the Federal Reserve's the Federal Reserve announced a 0.25 percentage point increase in interest rates, raising the benchmark from 5.25 to 5.5%. This decision came amidst growing concerns over an impending recession, as economists at JP Morgan predict that credit tightening resulting from the high interest rates may further exacerbate economic troubles. The impact of this decision has already been felt with mortgage demand plummeting and and home prices beginning to decline. As the economy titters on the brink, jobless claims have experienced a slight decline, but the European currency, the euro, is also facing its own challenges as it loses ground and headwinds towards a possible recession. The Federal Reserve's decision to increase interest rates was driven by mounting inflationary pressures and the need to rein in an overheating economy. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell defended the move, stating that it was a necessary step to address inflation concerns and ensure long-term economic stability. The interest rate hike is the highest in years and has the potential to influence various aspects of the economy. Now, you can follow this story by going to the neoliberal.com journals at the neoliberal.com slash the dash neoliberal dash journals. And of course, we with sources for um, with sources embedded in the article from CNBC, from the Wall Street, and from, of course, another article in CNBC entitled The Fed Approves Hike that takes interest rates to highest levels in more than 22 years. Now, while the Federal Reserve's action may have been aimed at curbing inflation, economists at JP Morgan have sounded the alarm bells for an impending recession. They argue that the credit tightening resulting from the high interest rates could lead to a slowdown in borrowing and spending, particularly among consumers and businesses. This tightening may disproportionately affect the middle and lower income groups, potentially exacerbating income inequality. However, Fed Chairman Jerome Jerome Powell said in a press conference some time ago to the press that the Feds are not predicting any recession and we have embedded a link to his report in the particular article. You can go to the article in the neoliberal journals at theneoliberal.com and you can see the link. Nevertheless, he says, he continues saying, nevertheless, the increase in interest rates may slow down the economy and make it harder for working and middle-class Americans who are becoming more industrious to start businesses while the wealthy benefit from high yield interest rates, which does not mean growth. Over the last few years, small businesses have been the driving force behind job creation, innovation, and growth. 
but with the restrictions in lending as a result of the interest rate hike and the rise in lending costs, small businesses and regular Americans may find it hard to innovate and the wealthy are parking their money in CDs that yield high interests. All this and slowing consumer confidence and lagging inflation may prove the Fed's confidence wrong. Only time will tell on the matter of benefiting the wealthy. One notable impact of the interest rate hike is its effect on high yield savers and certificate of deposit CD holders. With interest rates rising, these individuals and, in, and entities stand to benefit from higher returns on their savings. However, critics argue that this may further widen the wealthy gap or the wealth gap as the wealthier segments of society are more likely to have substantial savings and investments. By the end of 2023, analysts project that the national average for one year in America for one year certificate of deposit CDs will experience a substantial increase, rising from 1.38% at the end of 2022 to an estimated 1.8%. Additionally, the national average for five-year CDs is expected to reach 1.5% by the close of this year, with select high-yield accounts offering even more attractive rates of up to 4.1%. Several banks and credit unions have taken preemptive measures, already boosting the annual percentage, the, 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 AP, the annual percentage, the APY for CDs and high-yield savings accounts ahead of the central bank's anticipated rate hike. Now, the current landscape has seen some of the best CDs paying record rates, and the latest Federal Reserve rate hike could serve as an impetus for further increases. As financial institutions respond to the changing economic conditions, consumers may witness a trend of improving rates in the CD market. For those seeking to capitalize on the best CD rates available, the key lies in conducting thorough research and shopping around. With various banks and credit unions competing for customer savings, prudent investors can explore multiple options and seize the most favorable opportunities to maximize their returns. As the future rate environment evolves, remaining vigilant and keeping a keen eye on the market will be essential for securing the best possible CD rates. Now, on, on the matter of mortgage demand drops and home prices falling, the federal estate market has already shown signs of strain following the interest rate hike. Mortgage demand has significantly dropped as higher interest rates make borrowing more expensive. Consequently, prospective home buyers are finding it harder to afford home ownership, leading to a decline in home prices. This development may have implications for the broader housing market and could dampen economic growth in the construction and related industries. According to Robert Shiler at Yale University, professor at Yale University, he says a 10-year rally in home prices could be coming to an end. Moreover, Diana Olick at CNBC reveals that mortgage demands are dropping due to high interest rates which just got higher. On the matter of jobless claims decline, on a somewhat positive note, jobless claims have experienced a slight decline in the aftermath of the interest rate hike. Economists attribute this to the economy's overall strength and the relatively tight labor market. However, this trend may be short-lived or transient if the looming recession materializes and businesses begin to reassess their hiring plans. We already see Yellow closing down yesterday, a major um, sh shipping in, um, distributor for Amazon and some major distributors. They're, they're, they're they are closing their market after negotiations with workers went south. U.S. applications for honor, and that was after the job report. Now, U.S. applications for unemployment benefits declined last week reaching the lowest levels in two months, indicating robust demand for workers despite the slowdown in job gains. But just remember, we have a major, a major um, uh, change in the job market when a major um, employer closed its doors yesterday. Now, 
according to the Labor Department, latest data published last Thursday. Initial jobless claims dropped by 9,000 to 228,000 in the week ended July 15. Economists surveyed by Bloomberg had anticipated a median estimate. Now you can see the rest of the story in Bloomberg's report by following the link that is embedded in this particular story at the neoliberal journals at theneoliberal.com. Now, there's another story that is that is available in the Nilabur Post entitled The Euro at a Crossroads, Challenges and Uncertainties Amid Economic Headwinds. This is available in the economic news at thenilabur.com, but it's also available as a standalone news in the Nilabur Post at ronaldocmckenzie.com. Now, according to the story, the European currency, the Euro, has encountered a series of formidable challenges in recent times, leading to a loss of ground against major currencies. And this is coupled with the economic news. Now, primarily concerns surrounding the region's economic prospects and the ripple effects of the global interest rate hike have contributed to the currency's current predicament. As the ECB, the European Central Bank, strives to strengthen the economy on certain looms, uncertainty looms as the ecb strives to strengthen the economy uncertainty looms with some analysts even speculating about the possibility of an impending recession on the matter of an economic on the matter of economic prospects and global interest rate hike one of the primary drivers impacting the the primary drivers impacting the euro's performance is the uncertainty surrounding the region's economic outlook the European economy has been navigating through a labyrinth of challenges, ranging from sluggish growth rates and trade disruptions to lingering effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Investors and markets have become wary of the economic recovery sustainability, causing a decrease in confidence in the euro. Adding to these concerns is the global interest rate hike, initiated by major economies outside of Europe, which we just mentioned, the US. As interest, rate, as interest rates rise in other parts of the world, including here in the US, investors may seek higher returns elsewhere, leading to a decline in demand for euro-dominated assets and contributing to the euro's depreciation. ECB's, ECB's efforts and uncertainty. Let's, what, what are their efforts and what is the uncertainty? Now, to counter the economic headwinds, the ECB, has taken several measures to bolster the European economy. These include expansionary monetary policies such as quantitative easing and ultra-low interest rates. While these actions are aimed at stimulating economic growth and boosting inflation, they have also generated uncertainty among investors and market participants. The effectiveness of the ECB's policies has come under scrutiny with some experts questioning the sustainability of the bank's measures. Additionally, divergent opinions among policymakers and challenges in implementing unified strategies have added to the overall uncertainty surrounding the Euro's future trajectory. Speculations of an impending recession. Now, given the prevailing economic challenges and uncertainty surrounding the Euro, some analysts have voiced concerns that the currency might be heading towards a recession. The possibility of a recession in the Eurozone raises fears of further currency devaluation and hampers his investor confidence, but potentially exacerbating the existing economic woes. The Euro faces an array of challenges rooted in economic uncertainties and global financial conditions. Concerns about the region's economic prospects coupled with the impact of the global in interest rate hike have contributed to the currency's loss of the ground against major counterparts. The European Central Bank's efforts to bolster the economy, while commendable, have also been met with uncertainty. As the euro navigates these headwinds, it is essential for policymakers and stakeholders to collaboratively address the underlying issues to restore stability and confidence in the European currency. 
you can follow the story in the Financial Times and you can get these and other links in the story here at the Neoliberal Round, at the Neoliberal Journals at theneoliberal.com or ronaldocmckenzie.com. Now, in, conclu- in closing on this particular story, the economic news for July 27, 2022, 2023 has been dominated by the Federal Reserve's decision to increase interest rates amid growing fears of an impending recession. Economists at JP Morgan's warning of credit tightening and its impact on the economy has sparked concern among investors and businesses. While high-yield savings and CD holders, savers and CD holders may benefit from the rate hike, the overall economic implications are far-reaching, leading to a drop in mortgage demand and home prices as well as potential repercussions for the labor market. Furthermore, the euro's decline, the euro's decline, and the looming possibility of a recession in Europe add to the global economic uncertainty. As governments and financial institutions brace for this brace for the storm, the world waits to see how these economic events will unfold in the coming months. Of course, you can check the references and sources by going to this particular story in the Neoliberal Journals at theneoliberal.com and the, ne- the Neoliberal Post at renaldocmckenzie.com. And then to the next story. The Neoliberal Journals, the premature end of affirmative action. When we come back, we'll delve into that story and more here at the Neoliberal Corporation. But I have a question for you. Who is the original owner of the handle X? Who is the original owner of the the handle X? We have that story. There's a brief interview by CNBC and we got a bit of it for it. We got a bit of it for you. We'll be right back after this. officially a thing of the past, at least as a company. The former Twitter handle is now X. But not without some roadblocks. The covered in X handle was actually held by somebody else for 16 years. And if you're wondering whether Elon Musk or the company bought the handle from the holder, they did not. Said the company informed the current user via email that his handle would be changed due to its affiliation with the new parent company. As a result, he will, quote, be provided with a selection of X merchandise and an exclusive visit to X's HQ. Now we have reached out to X for comment but have not received a response. Joining us now for more is the owner of that original X handle. He's the co-founder of event photography company Orange Photography, Gene X. Wow, Gene, thank you for coming on CNBC. Did they really just, I mean, here's any snatch it from you? Yeah, I mean, I got the email. That was about the uh, extent of the outreach. So um just got the email and that's they kind of said that they owned it as a part of the you know the company so um that was all i got which was which was really something i suspected might might be the case so i wasn't overly surprised about it you don't even sound that angry about it i'd be looking for some cash gene (laughs) well you know i was thinking there's a a possibility of that right so um i kind of was was thinking you know what would what would be fair um, but obviously, I, I didn't really know the best way to reach out to them, so I was la- letting them reach out to me. And then, you know, I just got kind of the automated, it wasn't automated, but it just came from support at twitter.com um, email saying, you know, I think what you just showed it on the screen. So uh, I did reply back, and uh, I think I haven't heard back yet, but I, I hopefully we'll hear something shortly. So we'll, yeah. we'll see what happens. But so far, it's just, just those things. Well, I want to know what your new handle is now, by the way. But were you a pretty active user on Twitter? Because I do know if there's a period where, uh, you know, that you don't do anything, they could say, oh, you're inactive. Yeah, I was pretty active, but more recently I was less active, just mostly because I've just been as a kind of just overall using it less on the posting side. And I was doing more just kind of reading and keeping up with things through the site. That's kind of how I use it more recently. Um, Back in the day, I tweeted a lot more, but nowadays I I kind of use it less on a day to day basis for posting and mostly more for reading and, you know, keeping up with the news and things like that. But you were it's like you didn't post for five years, something like that. 
Oh, no, no. I, I would post, you know, irregularly, re regularly. So kind of like, you know, here and there, there was no schedule. I just kind of posted when I wanted to, but it wasn't like an inactive account that wasn't there for six months or whatever. They have some sort of limit if you don't use the account within a certain amount of time. Hey, is that your new handle that I'm seeing? At X, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, That's nine, the one time that they kind of converted it to, but they have offered to, to you know, I, I haven't gotten back to them with what, um, you know, what option I want, but they said you can look at some of the inactive accounts and try to find something, but yeah. it might be like those old AOL days when you had to get, you know, Gene is, is there, 2008. Is there an at Gene X Wong on Twitter? I mean, a lot of people have there, X there in their middle initial. I haven't actually checked that. Yeah, yes it is. Um, I haven't checked for that. I've, I've been a little too lazy and busy with just Um, that is the that's Gene X Wong, the original owner of the handle at X on Twitter. The former, well, it's now at X. Um, it's no longer Twitter. It's now X. Um, and um, and of course, that was he was there speaking in an interview on CNBC's Last Call. CNBC's Last Call. We'll be right back after this. Onto another story or event that made the top news in the neoliberal round corporate in the neoliberal corporations news journals and feeds, then that's available in issue number two of yesterday's news today, which is worth sharing, is the neoliberal posts, um, the embracing diversity, exploring Caribbean theology and its cultural roots. The Nilibor series, the Nilibor Round series on the Caribbean Theology Lecture series ended on a high note. The lecture provided a review, provided a review of some essential aspects and prepared for the upcoming examinations. Let's begin the review. Let's um, which which was the final lecture series on the neoliberal that we're going to make available as a series on the neoliberal room podcast which is a which was the last podcast that we just did so we won't have any more lecture series on caribbean theology or caribbean thought per se but the the new book it's we're coming out with the new book and we're going to be have several book readings book signings and lecture c and the lecture series focused on some of the themes of that book which was caught co-authored by my good friend my mentor professor emeritus dr martin oppenheimer and um but just to put the particular lecture into perspective and based on the article that um the article that uh if i could bring, find the article that we are that we were just reading from um that was submitted by yohan uh, on embracing diversity I'll pull it up here. It's available in the Nailable Post at RonaldoCMcKenzie.com entitled Embracing Diversity, Exploring Caribbean Theology and Its Cultural Roots. Um, um, and of course, in the lecture, Ronaldo reviews some essential aspects, which is Ronaldo, yours truly. I'm speaking to myself in the third person and preparing for the upcoming examination. Let's begin the review. So in the lecture, Ronaldo begins by defining Caribbean theology, and he says, as we have explored, involves the study and contemplation of divine religious beliefs within the context of the Caribbean region with its diverse cultures and histories. He said that it is important to recognize that Caribbean theology encompasses more than just African ancestry. We also find influences from various other cultures, such as Eastern India, Chinese indigenous communities, and understanding this diversity enriches our perspectives. One of the key goals of Caribbean theology, he goes on, is to encourage and reclaim cultural identity by integrating elements of African and Caribbean spirituality, he says. We can connect or reconnect with our indigenous beliefs and practices that were marginalized during the colonial era. He says, he goes on to say that this process fosters a sense of pride and self-determination among Caribbean communities and challenges the dominance of Eurocentrism in theological discourse. Quite powerful. He goes on to say that Black Liberation Theology, which em emerges as a response to racial oppression in the United States, has 
also influenced Caribbean theology. The movement of the United Negro Improvement Association, UNIA, and the rise of Rastafari during the Great Depression had significant impacts on the development of Caribbean theology. He said that he said that these interconnected movements of the global South and North show the symbiotic relationship between oppressed communities worldwide. He went on to say that critical thinking plays a crucial role in Caribbean theology, enabling us to analyze, evaluate, and synthesize information and ideas objectively. Through critical thinking, we can better understand history and its interpretation, acknowledging the various influences that have shaped our theological perspectives. He said that as we approach the examination, I encourage you to focus on the themes we discuss in class. You'll be asked to answer two questions out of um, selections of seven. And the questions will cover topics like the role of Caribbean theology in, in encouraging cultural identity, the significance of black liberation theology, the challenge of Christian missions in the Caribbean, and the importance of faith in advocating for justice and equality. He's, he he, he ended that particular section by saying Caribbean theology is not just an academic exercise, but a means to empower ourselves and our communities. And said and gave a challenge, saying, as if we were preaching, let us continue our exploration and interpretation of religious concepts, beliefs, and practices, keeping in mind the rich tapestry of our Caribbean heritage. And of course, he went on to thanking them for being part of the journey in Caribbean theology, which I will do. I will also say to you guys, thank you for being part of this journey in the lecture series on Caribbean thought and theology. And he wished all the best in our in their examinations and beyond. The students did sit an exam for the course and for the lecture, um, and um, and so we hope that they will do well in the in their examinations. Now there he continues in the lecture. The article is pretty lengthy. And, um, and he asked several questions, say, for example, how does theology encourage and reclaim cultural identity, and so on and so forth. But he ended on a high note. Should, should theology transcend culture? Discuss. That's one of the essay questions in the exam. But he, he answered the question he, and submitted the most powerful lecture. Should theology trans transcend culture? And I'm going to allow you guys to read the article in the neoliberal post reviewing Caribbean theology but towards the end let me begin just the beginning he says the question of whether theology should transcend culture is complex and multifaceted on one hand theology aims to explore universal questions about the divine and human existence which could suggest that it should transcend cultural boundaries to uncover truths applicable to all humanity however it is essential to recognize that theology is shaped by human perspectives and experiences, inherently make it culturally influenced. Then, it, then I went on to say in the lecture, when I say he, I went, well, I'm talking about myself. I went on to say that transcending culture entirely would risk imposing one particular cultural interpretation as the norm, neglecting the richness and diversity of other cultural experiences of faith. Such an approach could perpetuate Eurocentrism, colonialism, and cultural hegemony, silencing marginalized voices and beliefs from different cultures. And you guys can continue. You can review that by going to the neoliberal post. It was quite powerful. It was quite dynamic. You got check check that story out. Um, it's available. Uh, we, I highlighted it in yesterday's news today issue number two and you can go to yesterday's news issue number two click on it it takes you straight to the article that speaks to the lecture and embedded within it is the video of the actual full two and a half hour lecture it was quite powerful and the, the powerful essay at the end should theology transcend culture and now we move on to the next story which made yesterday's news today um, it was entitled the neoliberal post and comment is in the neoliberal post and the neoliberal commentary in LinkedIn entitled Clark County teachers threaten works stoppages amid pay raise disputes. I will get into that right after this.
And now to the final and most recent story that made the headlines in yesterday's news today, issue number two. It's a story that we did yesterday and that's available in the Nilable Post and the Nilable Commentary. The Nilable Post at RonaldoCMcKenzie.com and the Nilable Commentary in on LinkedIn newsletter entitled Clark County Teachers Threaten Work Stoppage amid pay raise dispute again clark county in in las vegas nevada the teachers there are threatening work stoppage amid pay raise disputes the story here is the story thousands of teachers gathered at a convention center in rio to discuss potential work stoppages at select schools if pay raise demands remain unmet by August 26th, it's supposed to be, the article says August 26th, it's supposed to be August 17th, 16th and or 17th. It begins, from UPS to Amazon and now teachers, workers demanding more pay is on the rise as the feds announce an increase in interest rates and economists warn of a recession by year end. As the economy becomes less liquid, it is no wonder that even teachers in Clark and other counties in Nevada are demanding pay raises. However, proficiency is at an all-time low. Some of what is due to COVID, where classroom education was disrupted and homeschooling became the norm. Nevertheless, teachers in a Nevada, in a Nevada district are asking for a pay raise which may affect the start of the school year. While some remain confident that the decision will be made by the district given the recent approval of $250 million by the governor in the state in the state budget, which was set aside for education, state officials such as Assemblyman Ruben De Silva of Nevada, um, of the East Las Vegas District, AD28, whom we spoke with at the Neoliberal about the matter, said that no deal, and I quote, no deal in sight yet. We are still a long way away. We are fighting for a new contract with the school district with some historic pay raises and benefits for teachers, end quote. The teachers union reassured that they would start classes on August 7th, but that if no decision is made to accept their demands by August 17th, then they will take action. Here is the story. Now, in Las Vegas, amidst the deadlock, between the Clark County Education Association, CCEA, and the Clark County School District, CCSD, over salary hikes, thousands of teachers convened at a convention center in Rio at, um, uh, to contemplate potential work stoppages at specific schools if their demands for pay raises are not met before the new school year begins on August 7th. As negotiations continue, the CCEA's key demands include a 10% increase in pay for teachers during the first year of the contract, followed by an 8% raise in the second year. Additionally, they're advocating for $5,000 extra for special education teachers and an additional $5,000 for teachers at Title I schools, which serve a higher percentage of students from low-income families. The, CCE, the CCEA express concerns over a high vacancy rate of special education and Title I teachers within CCSD, citing a need for better compensation to retain educators. According to the union, the current starting pay for CCSD teachers is $50,000 per year, significantly lower than other districts, such as $62,000 for educators in Los Angeles County, leading to an exodus of teachers from the district. The union argued that Senate Bill 261 passed by the Nevada Legislature and signed by Governor Joe Lombardo in June of 2023 allocated $250 million in matching funds for public school teachers' pay raises, but the money has not yet been utilized by the CCSD. In response, CCSD officials expressed their commitment to reward educators for their dedication and impact on students' education with increases based on available ongoing funds allocated for that purpose. They emphasized the need for, um, to uphold progress made in recent negotiations and discouraged any actions that could disrupt the start of the school year. The potential work stoppages would not be district-wide, 
but would begin at schools within select districts represented by the Clark County School Board, particularly District C, chaired by Evelyn Garcia Morales. Um, the CCEA started or stated that the decisions regarding work actions were made with a heavy heart and that teachers would still be present for the first day of school. Now, during the press conference, teachers emphasized the urgency of addressing their demands given the crisis level teacher vacancy rate and the impact of low pay on education and their families. The CCEA aims to resolve the impasse in the negotiations and achieve a settlement that meets their proposals, which they estimate to be approximately $480 million apart from one district's current offer. As the negotiations are set to continue on August 17th and 18th, or August 16th and 17th, the fate of the upcoming school year in Clark County remains uncertain. Teachers hope for a resolution that recognizes their invaluable contributions to students' academic success and adequately compensates them for their efforts. Teachers who are instrumental in shaping young minds express deep frustration and concern over their current financial struggles. Many have considered leaving the education field for higher paying opportunities in other, other sectors. Now with the threat of a potential work stoppage or work actions on August 17th or 18th, whichever the case is, the situation has escalated, making it clear that teachers are determined to fight for what they believe they deserve. The CCSD maintains its commitment to compensate teachers using available funds, but the gap between the two parties remains significant. As negotiations continue, it is essential for both parties to come to a resolution that prioritizes the welfare of students and acknowledges the invaluable contributions teachers make to society. The future of education in Clark County hinges on finding common ground and providing educators with the support they need to thrive, to thrive professionally and financially. And you can visit the Nailable Board Joiners for this article, which provide references and sources, um, which is available. Uh, some of the references provided are from the Review Journal, the NBC3 News, KLAS8, CBS NewsHour, ABC, KTNV, and of course, there is also the Neoliberal Corporation Research News Team and, contribu and contributions from State Representative Ruben De Silva, who happened, who, con who, who spoke with us about this particular matter and shared the information and some news insights with us. Stay tuned to the Neoliberal Corporation. We are all about making popular what was the monopoly as we serve the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges. And we have sources on the grounds. We have insiders that make us that make us close to the news and make us credible and reputable. Subscribe to the Nailable Round journals, feeds, to the Nailable Corporation World Magazine at thenailable.com, to the Nailable Post at rinaldocmckenzie.com, and of course, subscribe to the podcast show on any stream and donate to us by going to anchor.fm slash thenailable slash support. Again, anchor.fm slash thenailable slash support. And just remember that we have several upcoming events several upcoming powerful news stories the launch of the book neoliberal globalization reconsidered new capitalism and the death of nations subscribe support us donate to us we need your support so that we can continue to grow and to develop this is the neoliberal corporation brought to you i mean the neoliberal round by ronaldo mckenzie brought to you by the neoliberal corporation our co-producer, we want to give him a shout out to Mr. Dante T. Nelson, who is one of our managers and co-producers of the show here at the Neoliberal Round. We also want to thank all those who continue to contribute to make this show what it is. What good.